Welcome to the Watch and Learn Show, where we talk about life lessons we learn from movies new and old, and we have a bit of fun along the way. And now, here's the host, Sky and Dusty. Hey, hey, movie maniacs! My name is Sky, and that guy on the other side of the screen—that is Dusty, my brother, my natural brother. It's good to see you, Dusty. I have a question for you. Actually, more of a statement. This movie—you're a gun nut. You love guns. This was right up your alley, right? It—it it sure was. I absolutely loved it. And Chris Helmsworth is—he's phenomenal, and he's so pretty. I mean, <laughs> and he's so like buff. And he's so like he's the, he's an awesome dude. I I bet he's the type of person that you or I would be like, hey, let's go hang out with Chris. Yeah, let's go hang out with Chris. Yeah. At least it seems like that in all of his movies. Man, I did not know anything coming into this movie. Had no clue what was going to happen. Didn't know anything of the story because you and I we don't watch trailers, which we could strongly always recommend to every single person. Never watch trailers. Movies are so much better when you don't watch trailers. But in watching it without knowing anything. I was I had enjoy really really enjoyable time and the action in it was really really good which I do eventually want to get into on how they actually did the firefighting did the hand fighting and all that sort of stuff but I loved the action I loved all the firearms I loved everything about it what about you I absolutely agree with you. I love it. And just a quick word. Last In last week's episode, we said we were going to do Starship Troopers this week, but then we learned of this new movie on Netflix called Extraction with Chris Hemsworth. And we, had, we, we figured we got to cover it, right? We can't not cover an action movie starring Chris Hemsworth. No way. So we will push Starship Troopers off until next week. So those of you who are watching or listening to this right now, if you watch Starship Troopers in preparation... Sorry for the little audible, but hey, you at least you're ready for next week. And um, so, Dusty, getting back to what you said, totally love this movie. Really a lot of fun. Great action. Not just guns and then, like, fighting and stuff, but also a killer car chase scene through the streets of uh, Dhaka or India, whatever it was, right? Uh, just absolutely enjoyed this movie from beginning to end. And you're right. Chris Hemsworth, phenomenal actor. I'll see anything with him in it. And did you realize that scene where he goes in and takes the kid back and busts in there? That is literally all, it seems like it's all one take. I mean, I'm going to go back and watch it again because it was so phenomenal when I realized, dude, this is like one take. I love going back and watching one takes just the cinematic, um, how hard it is to cinematography, whatever you say, (laughs) like to actually shoot it in film to make it look as phenomenal, how much practicing it took, like loved every bit of it, just like other ones. Um, I know Daredevil had a phenomenal fight scene that's all one take. We know um, 1917 was all one take, or it it made it look like it was, oh, it's love, love that type of filming. But yeah, the the car chase, them getting hit by cars, oh, it was, it was, unbelievable at times kind of like commando at times where (laughs) they're literally shooting everybody and it's it's not as bad as rambo though where it just shows him rambo actually everybody looking at the um if you saw the thumbnail for this youtube video if you're watching remember go to watch and learn podcast.com forward slash youtube you go to your youtube channel you can see this picture let me grab it hold on and if you guys so, haven't realized is, by now, Dusty's a total gun nut. Every time we get to an action movie and he has a chance to put one of his guns in the thumbnail, as you can see, he always does it. I've been doing this uh, because it's so awesome. Okay, so let me show it to you. So this is a um, Israeli weapon system. 
It's an Israeli gun. So it's one of my more favorite guns because it, um, it's really compact. Let me see if I can get it. Uh, okay. Didn't, Anyways, didn't I, that's you enough. you call that thing a bullpup once? It's called a bullpup. And the reason why, the magazine is normally in front of the trigger system. And this handle is all the way back here on normal ARs. But if you see, the platform is relatively small, usually. And the reason why is the barrel is still this long. If you look from... From here to here, it's still over 16 inches. It's like 17 or 18 inches. But the trigger is up here, so it's more, much more compact. So if I were ever to go in and do something, I would take a gun like this. But, man, guns are, ex are not expensive. They, well, they are expensive. But they're freaking heavy. Like, you see them running around in movies like this. They're, especially like Chris Hemsworth or any of the actors in there, they are phenomenally fit because they're still carrying around even though – they're not going to fire at regular ammunitions. It's it's ammunition. It's actually very very heavy. So as I'm holding holding this up, this has got to be at least ten, maybe twelve pounds. And so imagine with this plus the ruck, the like the whole uh, full body plate that he actually wears, which I literally have. I can go grab that right now. But I have that as well, and all the magazines. Like it's literally going to be, uh, well, the plate itself. Like you have a front plate that actually stops bullets and a back plate. That total is like around 20 pounds just for the vest and the plates. And then you have all the magazines and you have the first aid kit. You also have the, uh, the, the you're, you're carrying so much stuff. But yeah, having something like this would be great for really close quarters. Now, what Chris Hemsworth's character was doing was um, both close quarters, but then also from a distance. So having a, a longer rifle with a, a scope is really cool. But yeah, I love being able to pull out all my firearms and be able to say, hey, this is what I got. Now, this for everybody. Um the ATF or alcohol, tobacco, and firearms knows that this is absolutely legal because the, like I said, the barrel starts back here and it ends up here. So it has to be a 16 inch barrel, not 16 inch showing, 16 inches total for the barrel. So yeah, that's why I love this firearm because it's this is what I literally protect my family with. I also have shotguns and stuff like that, which is a lot of fun. But yeah, this is uh, you got to get yourself one of these. This uh, is a maybe. Tavor. Yep. Maybe someday for sure. But, um, you know, there was a scene in the movie with Extraction, right, where Chris Hemsworth was holding an AK and he had to do some pretty close quarter shooting with the AK. And it was pretty interesting seeing how he was trying to handle it and like he would have to back up and then pull the trigger. But he was holding his gun oftentimes like John Wick would hold a handgun right here going around corners and stuff, not sticking it out in front of him. So it was kind of cool seeing a lot of John Wickian kind of moves, but utilizing that longer AK rifle in the movie. Yeah. And also pistols, like being able, because when you're firing with that, somebody's close, you got to be really quick to draw it from your holster and then bam, bam, bam. And if I, I noticed it because I like firearms, but if you notice, there was one point where Chris Hemsworth shows his, like the back of his waist and he's wearing a regular belt holding up his pants, but then he has a combat belt that he, you wrap around yourself, which is an extra belt that is literally, oh, Sky, you and I were carpenters or framers. So we would put on our bags, our tool belt, and have our hammer and our nails and all that stuff inside. But that's basically the same type of system where you already have your belt, your normal thing, but then you put this over like a tool belt for your guns. And then so you have your pistol next to you on your right-hand side or whatever your, your shooting side is. And so it was great. You could tell he, just like with John Wick and Keanu Reeves, they practiced a ton because as I'm watching it, it doesn't look hokey. It doesn't look... Um, like, hey, this this is an actor that just poked up a gun and is trying to, you know, run around shooting people. No, he literally, I could tell 
at least for me, I couldn't, I'm not, I'm not, uh, uh, Tim Kennedy, Sky, remember you remember, I've talked about Tim Kennedy. He's a super awesome dude. If you check him out on Instagram, um, Tim Kennedy, MMA, he's really fantastic. He is legit. He's a sniper, a, a Marine sniper, uh, for, um, uh, the Navy SEALs and all that, but he is absolutely phenomenal. And what he did was, um, he does, he teaches this. So I'm not somebody that teaches it. I've just studied phenomenal acting. Even the guy that played, um, the, the not necessarily bad guy, but the guy that sabotaged him, he was, he did really well. Like you could tell they know that, uh, people watching movies now are so much more in tune that with YouTube and everybody learning. Also John wick set the bar so high because of what they did with Keanu Reeves. I love it. I love it in these movies. 100%. Now, were you talking about David Harbour's character who helped him and then betrayed him? Is that who you're talking? You mentioned the actor in the movie was really good that betrayed them, you said, I thought. So he, he was the one that was in the boat that was shooting, that, that killed his friend, his, his co-workers, and then killed the guy that was in the... Oh, um, the guy, the fort. yeah. The, the car- so he was basically Ovi's uh, handler. His name was Saju, or Saju, Saju yeah. in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, he did a good job. Yeah, he did he a great did. job. Now, all the... All the minions, they all they literally had to do was run with the gun and fall over because yeah. <laughs> he literally hit every single person. But yeah, they did a great job with the action. It looked really realistic, which was really fun. Yeah. Now, what did you think about the overall story, right? Rival drug lord kidnaps the son of, a, of, of another drug lord in order to, I guess I, well, my question is, why did he do that kidnapping, right? It seemed like if you wanted to, I don't know, hurt your enemy, what was the goal? Kidnap him and then broadcast his death or just hold him for ransom? Like, I didn't understand what their plan was. Did you pick up anything I missed? So the main, or sorry, the, the, the dad that was in prison, he said it's just about reputation. It's just about humiliating him. That's really what it's about. But here's the thought. Okay, number one, the guy's in prison. Number two, the other guy who stole the kid is phenomenally wealthy. He owns the police. He owns everything. Those are two big things. Number three... The guy doesn't have any money. It's all put, what are they, seized? So, like, I don't know what, I don't understand why some guy who's so prominent, who literally has the police actually in his pocket, why does he even need to do this? It's just, it didn't make sense to me. It seemed weird. His motivation was weird to me. That was the one hiccup in the movie I couldn't quite understand. Everybody else from Chris Hemsworth's character, Saju, the woman that was like Chris Hemsworth handler, like everybody else, their stories, even David Harbour, the guy who betrayed him, everything makes total sense, but I couldn't understand why he wouldn't just kidnap the kid or just kill the kid on the street if you wanted to hurt your opponent. Just kill him. Like, what good does it do? You're in two rival cities. One was in um, Bangladesh, and the other one was in Dhaka, I guess. Like, you're in totally competing areas. Why make him look bad? What's the point? The guy's already, like you said, looking bad enough. Nobody knows that his money's been seized, right? Because they think that they got the money to pay, and they were expecting that payment before they delivered the kid. But that guy's already, he's pretty much screwed at this point. His reputation's down in the dumps. Why do you care about that, you know? Yeah, I agree. That was a a little bit of, um, I guess, of a hiccup or somewhat of a like, I don't understand that motivation for the bad guy to actually do this. But I quickly got over that when it started to action started taking off for sure. And Chris Hemsworth walking. Oh, I I thought he was going to go away um, after he went and saw proof of life and everything. 
I thought he was literally going to go away, plan, and then come back. But literally, that was like, no, I, while they're walking away, I'm going to break out, get back in there, and take them out. And especially you have the sniper that's that's picking people off, which is super, super cool. Yeah, that was awesome. Now, did you know that sniper? Um, he is played by Sam Hargrave, who's longtime writer, maybe not writer and director, but longtime stuntman, longtime actor. But this, he also directed this movie, that guy with the big beard who was the sniper. Very cool. And did you also know who was a producer who was a big part of this as well? Yes, it was Agbo Productions, which I learned maybe like a year ago or so, is uh, uh, the Russo brothers, Joe and Anthony Russo, who did Avengers Endgame, all the Captain America movies. But they created this company, and then Joe Russo actually wrote the screenplay for this as well. And I think that's one reason why it was so solid. Everybody seemed to have good motivations other than the one that we already mentioned. You know, they had a good production team behind it. Yeah. And when I saw the Russo name, I was like, I know that name. It's kind of mm-hmm. like Peter Jackson back when old, uh, Lord of the Rings came out. It's like you just, oh, Peter Jackson, there's Peter Jackson's name. And you kind of go along with it every single time. Uh, it, that made it fun. And I was like, man, I understand. Uh, it's a small world when it comes to making movies, but it's really interesting now with Netflix buying movies or paying saying yes go ahead and produce the movie we will pay for it and we will put it on our platform it's like oh my goodness what in the world they gotta be making so much money it's amazing what do you i mean do you think that it's the as good as or better than a model than the big studio companies that actually produce it and then put it in movie theaters and then do dvd sales and rentals and all that sort of stuff I've never really looked into the financial model of these, but it makes total sense. My guess is just in the U.S. I know Netflix is worldwide, um, but I mean, if they're charging me twelve bucks a month, I think I pay twelve or thirteen bucks a month. I guarantee there's got to be at least thirty million households that get this right. I mean, that's thirty million times twelve bucks, and around the rest of the world, they have to have at least fifty million more people subscribe. They're making money hand over fist now. They're forking out a lot of money to, you know, to make a movie with the Russo brothers like this and get Chris Hemsworth and all the other movies and stuff they do. They're paying a a pretty penny. But my guess is they're making way more money than all of your standard Universal and whatever other movie company out there now. Yeah, they don't have very much overhead. I'll give you an example. With with an overhead, you're going to have so much actual production. You're going to have lots. You're going to have just in Netflix in general. I mean, it's a technology company. So servers are their overhead. Servers and employees, they don't have huge, huge um, production companies, Mm -hmm. office spaces, all that stuff. Now, they very well could eventually get there. But just the economies of scale, you have to do everything. It's so much cheaper. I'll give you an example. um, If you create and uh, sell a course like let's say you want to teach somebody how to plant guard you know your vegetables in your garden in your backyard you create a course and then you sell it well that course literally costs i don't know maybe 50 bucks a month to host and and get people in there and also that's really really cheap but if you get let's say a hundred people giving you ten dollars a month that's a thousand dollars that you're going to be making every single month and you're only paying $50 for it. Similar type of model with Netflix. You're you're having a lot of people being able to have access to it, and you are only paying that money up front. So yeah. I think it's amazing that the, I guess, technology is, is changing and moving this. Um, it's always been the big companies like Paramount and uh, whatever, you know, if they can barely break in. I remember when Merrimax came in. Um, came into the picture, but um, now it's smaller companies that are able to do this. 
Yeah, for sure, man. Things are working out well. And it's not only Netflix, but uh, HBO does this kind of thing where where they get shows from other people. They, they pay for the creative, right? Amazon does it with Amazon Prime. It's it's like the new model. Even Disney Plus is getting into it, this whole subscription-based thing. Uh, speaking of Disney Plus, I was going to get it, and I'll, I'll still get it, but I'm just waiting. And we're probably going to have to wait longer because of this whole COVID thing. But as soon as the, Marvel, the new Marvel TV shows come out, like uh, the Bucky... And uh, Captain America or the Bucky and Falcon show, the new uh, whatever, uh, Scarlet Witch show, all that stuff. When that comes out, then I'll finally get Disney+. Plus. But I don't even have cable anymore. I don't even watch regular TV. All I have is Amazon Prime, YouTube, and Netflix. That's all I need. Does anybody? <laughs> I mean, just I bet people do. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's like I don't really need any of that stuff. And plus, all those other channels, I literally watched like four of them yeah. out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Maybe because I don't know what's on there. But shoot, I don't want to pay that much money for all that stuff. Now, getting back to the movie, as we're going through the process, when I or going through the storyline uh, process of actually watching the movie, seeing them do the extraction. Love the breaking out of getting, you know, getting him breaking out. And that was really, really cool going through the forest or the jungle and then getting to the boat. Now, do you recall how they would know or how um, the handler would know that that's the whole setup and go to the boat and actually sabotage the boat and kill them and then take the kid? You mean how Saju would know? Their plan? Yes. My guess is maybe they filled him in and or or maybe he knew what the 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 number one extraction route was from the city. It's going to that, and maybe he just looked for a boat with some foreigners on it, found the boat. That that was unexplained. But he was in the boat before they got on there. Like he didn't get on tiptoe in, at least we we don't know. Tiptoe in when they're not looking, get down there, make that. So that I just didn't like that. That was one part that I was like, how did he, how in the world did he have privy? How, how was he privy to all that sort of stuff? I get it now that he was planning this from the beginning, but how do you know what they're going to be doing? They're not going to tell anybody this is exactly where we're going to be. So I thought that that was a big miss, or at least I didn't catch any way of how he would have known that. Yeah, I agree with you. I didn't catch that either. Seems like a miss on their part. But I guess there's there's easy ways to explain it. And if you want to make the movie a nice runtime, you just chop out a quick one minute where he figured out where they were. What's the point? You know, the fact is he's there and then now he ruins their plans and everything. But that got me to my initial Monday morning quarterback. And uh, it was... Um, uh, where did it go here? There should have been some kind of down payment made or some kind of like escrow for doing this kind of work, right? You're putting your life on the line. The other three guys, by you, I'm talking about Tyler, Chris Hemsworth's character. Those three guys, the two on the boat and the sniper, all their lives were on the line, right? They didn't get some kind of down payment or like $10 million wasn't sent to some accountant in escrow, that kind of thing. That's kind of a bummer. That seems like an, an oversight uh, from my perspective. Definitely an oversight. I mean, a huge oversight. They should have absolutely known that something like this could happen. And so not even an escrow. I think two thoughts. One, definitely escrow. I think that's a great idea. But then get money up front. Like you said, you have expenses. You have to get firearms. You have to get ammunition. You have to get everybody set up. No, you front me some money. If I'm going to do this, this is I'm literally killing people. So, and I could literally buy you uh, die. You give me money up front. I love that Monday morning quarterback. I didn't come up with that. That's a great, great Monday morning quarterback. The uh, Monday morning quarterback that, excuse me, that I had was you should have two, a primary and secondary extraction. You should have a primary, but if that one falls out, you already have a secondary. Then so we think of 
anytime that you have uh, any movie that, cause I'm, I've never been in the military. I'm not going to surprise or like uh, think or uh, uh, make it seem like I ever was, but you would feel like it would be a good idea to have a secondary extraction point plan B. in case this one, a plan B and even a plan C because nothing ever goes perfectly. And I remember on the microphone, when he's talking to uh, to the to the chick, um, saying I'm in survival mode now, like like survival mode, boom, go, and he, he just hey everything's everything's game. I'm just getting out of here. I was like that was good. I liked that part of it. That was really good. But man, they sh- literally should have had a second extraction. If this doesn't work, this is done. We have another extraction team over here. Yeah, I like that. That's a really good point. Have that plan B. Um, it it wasn't my favorite scene, but I kind of. Enjoy isn't the right word, but I was interested and compel. I felt that scene compelling when they were up on the roof with all those little 10 and 12 year old boys and throwing one of the kids off the roof. And then that tougher, older one was actually he had some smarts and said, you just killed the guy that stole makes. And I really love the fact that these I get my guess is they're all orphans. You saw how how shabby they looked. It's not like they have parents taking care of them. Right. They're orphans on the street. They're willing to do whatever it takes to, to survive. And so they're willing to kill and stuff. And I liked seeing uh, that aspect of life. And of course, drug dealers and drug kingpins like this, they're not going to have any compulsions or compunction, whatever the word is, about using kids to their nefarious ends, right? And I enjoyed that scene because it really showed how evil that dude is. And his lieutenant that threw the kid off the building, pretty freaking evil too, man. It was, it, was, it was tough to watch, but I appreciated that scene. So in watching that, it just... It got me thinking, are there really that evil of people out there in the world that would do something like that? And I, I have to tell myself, absolutely, even worse people. I mean, remember Hitler. Hitler was absolutely disgusting. He would kill thousands and thousands of people, thousands and thousands of Jews and Christians and everybody he didn't actually like. He killed more than thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. And thinking of Hitler being a socialist, like he literally was a socialist. He's a national socialist that killed lots of people. So there are many, many other people. You have uh, Mao. Mao in China literally killed hundreds of thousands of people. You have uh, Che Guevara, who was in, he was literally killing his people, out, I think in like uh, Southern, uh, Southern America, something like that. There was just so many evil people in this world. But we in the West feel like we're protected. Like we, and obviously so we have a good military, we have police, we have, we're well insulated from border, like from water to water, we're really protected. But at the same time, you know, people live in other places in the world where they don't have this type of, uh, it's not democracy, a Republic where we're protected by our laws and then people follow it. And there was one thing, I can't remember where I heard it, but so in Russia, there was back in like the eighties, there was a um, right after the Cold War fell and all that sort of Cold War went down, the wall fell. One of the uh, prime ministers of, of Russia or somebody high up in Russia came over to America, flew in and they were going somewhere. I can't remember what it was. It was like middle of the night, maybe like 11 p.m. And they were driving with this um, official, this big head guy inside the car. And he was amazed, absolutely amazed. He said, this is like middle of the night almost, and there's nobody on the streets. We're stopping at red lights and waiting when there's nobody else on the road. And other people, when I see somebody else, they are also stopping 
because they know it's the right thing to do. It's the law. In in Russia, they just go right through it because it's like, we don't care about the laws. It's it, Nobody's here to stop us. And so that it's just, yeah, we, we're pretty well insulated here in the, uh, the West. What do you think? Yeah, totally. And Mother Russia, red lights run through you. <laughs> that's how they work over there. <laughs> but yes, yes, we are insulated and we're protected over here. And that's that's what makes sometimes seeing those kinds of scenes so... Um, you know, they bring out that emotion in you and you're kind of like disgusted. That's not the right word. You're, you know, you're, you're compelled by it, but at the same time, you're, oh my gosh, I can't believe. But then you've got to realize that, yeah, that kind of stuff does happen in the world. Uh, the world's full of bad stuff, you know, but lots of good stuff as well, right? I pick up all my dog's poop out there. I'm a pretty good model human being right here. So you can see <laughs> two spectrums here, evil drug lords throwing kids off and then Sky picking up his dog's poop. So, yeah, we got both spectrums on this one. But um, you said earlier you wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, stunts and the action in this movie. And I absolutely loved it. You were talking about a scene where um, grab the kid going through the forest and then he got ambushed by Saju. But my favorite scene was when he got back into the city. The car chase happens. They're going through buildings and everything. That was incredible. That was also it felt like one long cut as well following Tyler along with Ovi through the streets and stuff. And I was just blown away by how exciting it was. I was on the edge of my seat that entire time. Yeah, it was just the way that they filmed it is just so enjoyable. And you feel, uh, what's Chris Hemworth, what's his character's name? Tyler. Tyler. Yeah, Tyler. He doesn't look like a Tyler, he looks like a Brad. <laughs> <Yep>. but, <laughs> um, but you can feel him getting hurt. You can feel him getting tired and beat up. And I mean, honestly, I think Chris Hemsworth is a great actor. I think he's, he's better than I actually gave him credit for in the very beginning when I saw him in Thor. I thought, oh, he's, you know, he's a good looking guy. He's really buff, tall, and, and uh, he's a tall drink of water. And I was thinking, it was a throwback a ref to Tombstone, if you remember that. Do you remember that reference? Yes, I do. Good for you. Okay, I'm glad you're picking up on yeah. it. So he's really good at, at, portraying whatever character he's in. And so right now I, I was really enthralled now with him having flashbacks to his kid. Is that the reason why he kept sticking his neck out for this one, you know, young, young kid that is a, that his, his friend who he had to had actually kill or uh, the kid killed actually said, you know, it's a drug dealer's kid. You know, is that why he went through this? Uh, I'm thinking so, right? He felt like he failed his son. His son died of something he couldn't control, leukemia or lymphoma, I think he said. But he was probably off in Afghanistan or probably not even Afghanistan. He's he's a mercenary in this one. He probably left the Australian Armed Forces well before this. He's probably been a mercenary for years. He was probably off getting paid doing something um, instead of protecting the country when his kid died. So he probably feels a ton of remorse. And this is probably a way, even if it was just kind of like subconsciously in the back of his head, it's a way for him to kind of redeem himself for missing out on his own son's death, saving this new kid right here, right? So I think that entire... And he's probably just a good person. Although, you say he's a good person, but throughout the entire movie, he's killing cops and army guys. Now, they might be... I don't know. They might be kind of bad guys in a sense that you can buy them off and maybe they're doing things they shouldn't. But for the most part, he doesn't know that they've ever done anything bad. They could be a good cop just giving orders to go find this guy and he's killing them. So I was kind of a little uh, iffy on his morality because of that. Oh, no. Well, being a mercenary, you don't don't have morality. Yeah. You know, you, you try to think you're doing it for a greater good. No, you're getting paid to kill a bunch of people to take this guy back now or this kid back. I completely understand kidnapping somebody for ransom 
is horrible. You absolutely should not do that, but you can't, it's not necessarily justifiable to well, go in there and kill 50 somebody, people to take him back. For yeah. Money. Yeah. Yeah. I don't goodness. Now here's, here's a thought. Would you have killed all those kids that were in the street that were attacking you? If you were him? No, I like how he responded by not killing them, just kind of beating them and putting them out of commission uh, instead of killing them. So I would like to think I would do the same thing, although I would never even be caught in that scenario. Not, I don't see, I wouldn't be caught like I'd be better than him. I, I couldn't be a mercenary for the life of me, you know? No, I, I know I couldn't be. Now, if I was protecting like my family, I would do everything Different I could. I would too. Now, when you said caught in the street reminded me what I didn't like about that whole scenario. Can you think of what it is? No. How in the world was there a motorcycle with those kids sitting there? Did they know that they went inside that building held up for hours? And then all of a sudden they come out and there's a motorcycle. What? Oh my goodness. There's no way those kids knew where they were. No, they didn't. Maybe they were tipped off though. Somebody saw them go in. It's another one. Nobody those... saw them. We, we've never, been, we didn't see anything yeah. alluding to that. I just thought that, well, oh, this is hokey. Yeah. It's another one of those, uh, uh, coincidences, you know, that, that compels the action that propels the story forward. So and I just, if, I just kind of accepted it, it. Oh, okay. I would think if you knew that they were going to be coming out at time, why be on a motorcycle and do a drive-by? Literally wait for them. Like They knew exactly where they were coming out. They were on the motorcycle pointing right there. Literally just be it right there and be hiding in like a bush, bush or something. As soon as they come out, boom, 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 boom. Why not do that? Why be on a – so that was just a little out there for me. It would have been better if there was a kid at the end of the alley. As soon as they came out, he saw them and he's yelling blah, 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 and waving them over. And then the motorcycle comes and just does that. That could have been an extra three little second thing that would explain that. Uh, so there's not that little loophole that you found. Yeah, yeah, I agree. What do you think about his friend? Uh, I totally understand it, right? The guy's living in Dhaka, a crap hole of a city. He's got a wife he's wanting to take care of. He's, it seems like he's probably a mercenary too, or at least used to be. He was friends with, uh, Tyler. And then, so he's totally fine offing a kid and getting paid million bucks and hightailing it to Fiji with his wife, man. Yeah, that, and I completely understood what he said. Because I'm helping you, they will absolutely find out that I help. No matter what, like it'll eventually get traced back to me and I'm going to die. Either way, no matter what, it's just going to how it's going to be. And let's make the best of it. Now, I don't agree with it, but I completely understand what he was thinking. Yeah, the betrayal sucks, but his reasoning made total sense to me. Like I was saying, everybody's motivations other than the Bangladesh or the Dhaka drug lords, everybody else made sense in the movie. Their motivations made sense, I mean to say. Yep. Now, where was the guy's wife? The guy's wife never came out. Was he just lying about the wife? No, he had a safe house. Like that house was a safe house. Maybe it was an old CIA safe house or something because he's obviously oh. an American. So he took Brad, Brad, Brad's character, Tyler. He took Tyler to the <laughs> safe house and then he went back. But my guess is he didn't go back to see his wife. He said, I'm going to go put my, you know, go hang out with my wife or whatever. He said, he went to go find out what's going on, found out that, whoa, there's a $2 million reward for the kid. I got to partake in this, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That makes sense. Cause I was like, it seems like that's his house. And 
where's his wife? There's a gunshots and like what what's going on? <laughs> so that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. But you know, I really like that scene there. because it gave me one of my lessons and I really loved it, right? Ovi was laying in bed talking to Tyler and then Ovi says, "You drown not by falling into the river, but staying submerged in it." And that's absolutely true. Anything that happens to you bad in life, if you allow yourself to sit in it and wallow in it, it's just going to ruin you. It's going to ruin your outlooks, your happiness, uh how you live your life if you let that one bad instance uh drag you down right drown you in it but if you get up out of the water and move on with your life you're not going to drown so that was my uh the first lesson i loved it from that scene right there that was that's a great great lesson i didn't pick that up for some reason i didn't really they didn't grab to me but yeah you're absolutely right it's not by falling and i i like how that plays into the beginning the middle and the end like the water the whole series series of events with the water him falling in the water I thought that great. So what I learned was if one of my lessons was you will not die. If you jump off of a 136 meter or 130 meter <laughs> cliff, you won't die. If, especially if you're Chris Hemsworth, you'll be fine. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I really like, you just now mentioned it. They started the movie with that midway through. We see that, or we hear that. And at the end, we see the kid himself do it. I always love how in movies, like you mentioned 1917 at the start of this, they started with him leaning up against a tree. They end with him leaning up against a tree. I really like it when movies do that circular, I don't know, when they come back to the beginning in some way. And I really appreciated that. Now, speaking of the ending, you saw what looked like it might've been Tyler fuzzy in the background. Do you think that was Tyler? There's no way. It would be stupid if it was not Tyler. Yes. And the I reason agree. why I... Yeah, yeah. The reason why I say that is because the movie's all about Tyler. We know it's 100% about Tyler. Um, then we don't see him actually die. We see him fall in the river, and then it's alluding to, hey, I'm looking over, and I don't see him anywhere there. So that's alluding to the fact that he is possibly alive. So, yes, 100%. No, it's funny. When he gets shot in the neck and he falls off, I literally thought, I wonder if they're going to have a part two. But then when I saw them, saw him pop up at, or be there in the background, I was like, yes, there's – more than likely should be a part two. I I thought I literally thought his uh his handler, that that lady, I thought she was bad. As soon as the boat was getting taken over, I was like, oh, she's bad. But see, that's that's the reason why, because I had no clue, no knowledge. And it feels like I'm stupid in a sense, because I was never let on to the fact that somebody could possibly have something on this other than her. And so that's why I just feel like I was uh tricked in a sense yeah. because i literally thought it was her because she's the only one that among the other people but she was the only prominent person that could potentially uh, sabotage this in the storyline so that's why it was just kind of little hokey but um yeah so you know what's interesting I, I re- before we go on before you go on um yeah she was the only one that seemed to have the operational knowledge but while we were watching it i was watching it with my wife denise of course and she said who do you think that guy is i bet it is um Saju, like she knew it was him because she remembered from the prior scene, he was talking to his wife and said, I know what needs to be done. I can do this. And so she put two and two together and said, oh, he actually is a mercenary himself or has military training. Because like when you first see him, he's wearing a suit, seems like a businessman kind of a thing. Um, uh, and then so she put it together. She wasn't tricked at all. I was all, I wonder who that could be. I, I had the same I thought that she did. Yep. I was like, who in the world could this be? Until I saw his, oh, come on. That's really... How in the world did he know? I literally thought that when he when I saw his face. How did he know anything about? Oh, yeah, that, that was that was a big hole for me. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So um, thinking about lessons, the next lesson that I have is you need to be 
prepared. And what I, I loved about was um, everything that he had, uh, Tyler, when he was extracting, he had the, the vest he had. Now, being able to fight, that's a whole nother prepared list level that you have to do a lot of training for. Um, but there's other preparedness that you can do is literally be prepared with items that you can purchase. Everything from a tactical plate carrier and um, uh, firearms and things like that. And train with those. Train Be, be very, very responsible with those. But you can literally have those and be able to provide or you know protect yourself in some case. And so that's why I like to be a little more advanced prepared. Now, what's funny, I, I watched a quick little video. It was hilarious about uh, like conservative preppers and liberal or progressive preppers. So uh, a conser- this was a, a funny, funny video. Um, conservative preppers, like they have firearms, they train with firearms, they have food, they have shelter, they have knowledge, they know how to protect themselves, how to, how to hunt for food. And it shows the the uh, conservative prepper doing that, and then it goes. But there are liberal prepper, preppers or progressive preppers, and so what do they do? They have they have. Um, okay, so what do you have? This guy has a, a firearm, a pistol, and a rifle. What do you have? He goes, I have this katana, and this katana is going. Have you ever practiced with it? No, but I have the katana. <laughs> it's like okay. Now what else do you have? Well, I have I. Do you have like prepared food? Do you have food stored away? You know, no, I have a cell phone that I can order food. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, but yeah, Rub so he was and, absolutely and turn prepared. into Michonne. That was his plan. <laughs> yeah. So give me your, I'm going to go grab something while you give us your second point. Your okay, second lesson. Totally. My second lesson is money is the great seducer. And we already talked about it with David Harbour, Harbour's character named, I apologize, Gaspar or Gasper. Um, we saw him get seduced by money, right? The millions of dollars in potential reward money for bringing back the kid. And plus, I guess we already mentioned that uh, by bringing the kid in, he's also protecting his wife and his and himself from further harm by the drug dealers. But that's lesson two. Yeah, that's a good lesson. So everybody, if you're watching this on YouTube, remember watchandlearnpodcast.com forward slash YouTube. You can see my tactical, let me back up. There you go. So yeah, you can see my tactical plate carrier. So there's literally a 20 pound plate inside of here and then one on the back. This is just about the exact same thing that Chris Hemsworth's character is carrying. Now the plate, more than likely Chris is not carrying a 20 pound plate, but Literally, if you're going to have something like this, this will stop bullets that are going to go to your heart. Um, so being prepared, having something like this. Now, this literally costs like 200 bucks for this plate carrier. And then the plates for actual um, ballistic rated vests, they're going to be at least a couple hundred bucks. So this whole plate carrier, I mean, it's, I'm, it's, it's pretty valuable. It's like 500 bucks mm. for this whole setup. Yeah. But when you think about it, if you're buying it to save your life, not saying I, I'm I'm praying I will never, ever need it. It's also just fun to have. I really enjoy having this, but I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. So that's my next lesson is just like being prepared. I'd rather think ahead and be proactive. I love being proactive, not reactive. I hate being reactive because when you're reactive, your options are so limited when you are proactive, you have loads and loads of options. So now I'm proactive where I have I have firearms, I have ammunition, I have things like that just because you never know what's going to happen. I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. 
Totally. Love that lesson. And that kind of dovetails into my third lesson. It's that backup and support is critical, right? He could not have survived without his team behind him. If he went in there by himself, uh, he just, he would have failed miserably, of course, right? You need eyes in the sky, people, you know, giving you layouts and, you know, whatever. You need that backup and support. Now, that's for a military operation. But if you're like you and I, we're entrepreneurs, we need the support of our friends and that of our family, right? If we have them backing us up, helping us make better decisions, just giving us that emotional support that we need, we're better able to succeed in our life's endeavors. That's a great point. I, I completely agree with that. Agree with that. The more the more people that I network with, the more people that I work with. Obviously, family, um, everybody that you have that can help you and you can help them. The better life gets and the better things come. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so in my online business and everything I do in my online business. Um, I've got a couple other like three other guys in a mastermind together. I found three guys like, you know what? All of us have different, um, not necessarily personalities, but like gifting and different ways that we do business. Let's all get together, you know, once every couple of weeks and talk about how we're doing our business. It's called a mastermind and help each other out. And that's been super, super beneficial. I've learned so much and I've been able to help other people. So I, I think that is terrific. Yeah. So my last lesson is when, <laughs> let me play it out. So Saju is killing the guys on the boat, then killing the guy with the um, uh, sniper rifle, then going down towards Tyler and the kid. What's really interesting is Tyler gets on the radio with what's her name, and she says, there's one person closing in on you. You literally, like this, it's hunting 101. You do not move. If you move, they will see you. If you you have the absolute advantage, you just sit there and you wait. When you see movement, you wait until they get closer. Then they get closer and then closer. Then you shoot them. That's literally hunting 101. And so that's why I did not understand why they took off running. That was like the dumbest thing you could have done. If you literally, this could have changed the entire uh, trajectory of this. You literally kill that guy. Cause he's coming. You wait until he pops up. Cause you see, you could track movement so easily. Same thing. Like I said, hunting one-on-one, you see the movement, you shoot him, you kill him. Cause you, we know the rest of the movie he's, he's killing, uh, you know, bad guys from like a million miles away with one shot with a pistol. You know, he could shoot anybody. He should have just taken him out there, then got on the boat and drove away. That's, yep. that's like, that's the end all be all. And that would have solved everything. That's a really good point. I like that. We wouldn't have had a great, awesome chase scene through the city, but you're right. That would have solved solved everything for sure. Um, the last thing is my prop. Now, I think from all the movies that we've seen, I don't think I've ever uh, uh, selected a sniper rifle as a prop. So my prop would be Gayton's sniper rifle. That thing was pretty cool. Pretty darn accurate from 100 meters, however far he was away, right? So that's what I would like to see hanging up on my wall right here. Yeah, that was super, super awesome sniper rifle. Yeah, come to think of it, I don't have, I, we never picked it. I never picked a sniper rifle. That one was really cool. And a suppressor on it, which is really awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, su- suppressors are a misnomer. It's not a silencer. You know, new movies call them silencers. There's no way to silence the sound. There's a way to suppress it, to get as low as possible. Yep. Um, so I think that's a great, great one. Now, I was, I just loved Tyler's. And I, you know, I might not take it, but I loved this. Like this, this thing is awesome. Like this plate carrier. So I already have one, so I wouldn't take his, but his setup was pretty legit. I thought that was really, really cool. I did like his, um, his AR 15 that he was carrying had a suppressor on it, had a nice mounted scope on there. 
I thought that was really good. He also had a magazine. So if you look at, so here's a magazine right here. It has, has bullets in it. So the magazine itself is just one magazine. He had a setup where there's a sleeve over it. And then this would be a second magazine that's literally attached to it like this. And so he was able to take it out, switch it over and plug it in. So instead of getting a whole nother magazine, that's just another way to actually do it. So um, I, I really like that setup. So since you've already taken the sniper rifle, I'd probably take Tyler's pistol or the other one was a close second was uh the dude with the cut up face his finger that was a close second that would have been fun <laughs> i know huh? that would have been cool oh actually that would have been that's kind of a neat prop right there that prosthetic or fake finger i like that one yeah <laughs> uh, let me see the last thing here is now i sound bullish on this movie and I do recommend it to anybody, especially if you just like action movies and want to see some crazy stunts and stuff. But I'm giving this a B because I don't know how rewatchable it is. Plus, and and I know the, all, the whole movie takes place in a really short time frame, like basically six hours in the city or 12 hours, whatever it is. But you don't get to see any character growth whatsoever. And I think that's what makes most movies very compelling. Your, your character starts from here and they go through here. Like there's some kind of a journey and they change as a character. Tyler's basically the same the whole way. Um, Ovi, the kid, seems the same. He's still just a kid, right? Like nobody grew. And so for those two reasons, I am not going to give it an A. I give it a B. You know, I th- I like your rationale. It was really enjoyable. The only thing that I would go back and watch, and I probably will do this now yeah. that once we get off, is I loved watching that scene where he's extracting, not the extraction. Extraction was really fun. That was a good scene. Mm-hmm. Really, really good when he's actually getting in, getting the kid. But no, it was that chase scene where it's all, it's, it's just about like one take throughout the whole thing. And then the car scene, all that was so phenomenal. So I would like to go back and watch that. So I would give that was that's my favorite scene. So that whole once one shot thing, that's my favorite scene. And if so, with the grade that I would have, I liked it, but not so much to get it anywhere near an A. I would give it a B plus, B plus because I thoroughly enjoyed it. But as far as rewatchability, it would just be watching a certain key scenes. Um, but there, you're right. There wasn't very much story arc to it. There was a good amount of with he and his friend, which was rather interesting. You know, them talking, chit-chatting, all sorts. That was rather interesting. It slowed down the movie before it ramped back up. And that conclusion was on the bridge was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. They did a great job. Although it was more, a little more Rambo-esque than I would, I would think. Like literally him taking on the entire army. But um, yeah, I would give it a B plus. Cool. Good, good. So uh, before we end this puppy, any last words about Extraction Dust? Nope, that's that's it for me. Awesome. So like I said at the beginning of the podcast, we are doing Starship Troopers next week, so there's no need for us to go through the drama of unveiling it for you. But seriously, if you have not seen Starship Troopers, and if you like sci-fi and you like action, you must watch it before listening to the podcast, please. And don't, of course, watch the trailer. Just rent the movie, watch it. You're going to love it for sure. Um, Alrighty, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you very much. You heard what we think about extraction, our life lessons, Monday morning quarterback, all that jazz. If you want to let us know what you think, go to watchandlearnpodcast.com slash extraction and leave a comment at the bottom. Alrighty, once again, my name is Sky. And I'm Dusty. And we will return next week with Starship Troopers.